Hey guys, this is Lindsay Schnorr. Welcome to my podcast, Known to be Known. I want to inspire you to wonder and question and think for yourself rather than tell you what to think as we go on a journey to get to know God. I'd like to suggest that God's desire was never to get you to heaven, but to get heaven through you, and that he actually gave us this answer to what eternal life looks like in John 17, 3, saying that eternal life is this, that we would know God as the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. You see, he gave us an end game and a timeline, relationship forever. I believe that as we get to know him, he's made known through our lives and evangelism, you know, sharing the gospel, actually looks and sounds a lot like you and your life. You ready for an adventure? Let's go. Hello, friends. How is everybody doing today? We are going to take a little diversion from talking about hearing the voice of God and talk about what happens when life happens. Um, This notion of, you know, you can have things going perfectly well, all ordered, everything's great, and then something intersects. And what happens when life intersects? What do we do with those things? Um, I haven't been on to record podcasts for the last few days because I had a life intersection. And with all the cool things that are going on in a busy schedule, I get told that I need surgery, and that kind of upends everything. You get news at work. You have relational news. Something happens with the kids. Someone breaks their arm. The things that we're not prepared for, the things that that come up, when people say that just life happens or, you know, things happen, how, how do we actually maneuver these and how do we do them well in a way that doesn't send you spiraling out of control or grasping at straws to try to then orchestrate back everything into your routine and expected rhythm? How, how do we look at these intersections at not being places to freak out, but, but what does it look like to to come across the the unknown and how do we do that with God? Well, I'm going to talk to you about my experience because I'm finding in conversation this week particularly that maybe more than one person needs to have this conversation. I am going to take us, though, into the Bible. And we are going to read an excerpt that is probably not something that is uncommon for any of you, regardless of where you're at in belief or if you even read the Bible. And it is when Jesus walked on the water. I'm going to tell you right now, I have it written down and I don't even have the address. So you're going to have to do that on your own. But we're going to start here. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. So Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. 
Okay, so why this excerpt of scripture? Um, I would propose that the disciples weren't expecting to see Jesus walking across the water any more than you would be expecting to get in a car accident, have bad news, uh, lose your job, have your kid have something weird happen, like any of those things, right? Like they're these unexpected moments that what do we do in the unexpected moment? Do we recognize God or do we cry out in fear? Do we put our trust in the circumstances around us? Do, do we become completely engulfed in the storm and the swirling of everything happening? Or do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? And I'm the first one to tell you, this. it's not, it's not easy. Does it become easier the more that you get to know him? Absolutely. But there is a point that in the midst of intersections or storms of life or the the disappointments or things that are a surprise or a shock, if you've never recognized God in the situation or you have come to this point believing that God creates everything and that sovereignty means that he causes everything, that'd be really hard to be trusting in that moment, Right? So I am going to throw one big one out to you right now. It is something I've talked about in a few other ones of the episodes and in my personal testimony, but I'm going to suggest to you that God does not cause everything, but he does purpose it every, he does purpose it all. There's a difference. He does not cause everything that would go against his character. Biblically, it says that God is only the father of lights, only the father of good gifts, which would mean that all the bad stuff that we deal with, all the pain, all the suffering, that's not a gift from him. He repurposes things, but he does not give us all things. He does not cause all things. If you're hearing me, it's an important one to understand because how are you ever going to trust in somebody that you believe gave you the circumstances that you're in? He didn't cause you to lose your job. He didn't give you cancer. He didn't give me faulty intestines. <laughs> like... There are mysteries in the way of how we come to be in certain circumstances, why certain things happen. But even going back to the who versus why podcast episode, we can't attribute the negative, the suffering, the painful, or the bad to the nature of a God that is only good. You cannot create theology where there is mystery. You can't do it. So I know that's a big one, and I know a lot of people are going to have questions and probably more conversations on that. Yes, please go look into that. It's a great starting point. But knowing that God is good, knowing that in all circumstances, he hasn't put me in those circumstances, but he will orchestrate everything for the betterment of me. When I know that, at those intersections of disappointment and surprise and shock, I'm able 
to not say why, but I'm able to say, where's God? Where are you, God? Is that you, Jesus? What do, what do we do then? Taking the scripture into consideration. Because I do believe that there's some applicable points then in talking through these particular intersections. When Jesus is walking towards everybody and there's this shocking moment in the middle of the storm, right? Like things are, are not going the, well, the way that they wanted them to go. They're not going well. And they're freaking out, which is funny, considering when you start reading through the Gospels, that they're hanging out with God and they are aware to an extent that it's God and yet they're constantly questioning. I feel like that's a great encouragement because I know God, I love Jesus, and there's times when I struggle. I struggle with the whole, are you here, where are you at, and what's going on? I think that's a normal part of relationship. My kids will even have freak out moments that they know that they're perfectly provided for, that their dad and I love them. And they'll have random moments that they just freak out at school and text us like the world's falling apart when they have forgotten that their parents have got them. God's an even better dad than I can be a mom to my kids. And it's okay knowing that my position in the relationship with the Lord is that I'm the kid. I don't actually have to have it together all the time. You don't have to have it together all the time. You can love Jesus and trust him and still in the midst of intersections and surprises and shocks, have a moment to say, where are you, Lord? That's okay. But what does Jesus give us as applicable um, life skills in this particular story? Well, I'm going to suggest to you what I pulled out of this. While the whole boat is deciding that it's a ghost that they're seeing, Peter actually recognizes that it's Jesus to some extent and says, can, can you call, call my name, Jesus? It's when he hears Jesus call his name that there is faith restored. Jesus says, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. I find this fascinating. Jesus says, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. When I am in a situation that I'm not prepared for, that is shocking, that doesn't fit within my rhythm or routine, Jesus tells me to take courage. Lindsay, choose courage right now and take it. It's available. You don't need to understand for security. Take courage. That's number one. Number two, recognize me. I'm here. It's me. Lindsay, identify where God is in the situation. And finally, number three, don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. Easy, right? (laughs) It's this very easy set of skills in any situation for life that is depicted beautifully in this story because we know that after Peter has stepped out of the boat, once he 
doesn't have courage, releases courage, takes his eyes off of Jesus, isn't looking at where God is in the situation, and gets afraid, what happens? He sinks. He starts to sink. He becomes a victim to the circumstances instead of being a victor in the embrace of Jesus. We... We are created in the image of God, right? So I also think that's an interesting uh, point to point out that it is common for most of us in any one of these situations to want to fight, right? There's the fight or flight response, but for the sake of of just talking one, one line of communication, we're going to talk about fighters, okay? At least at some point in your life, I'm going to assume that you've chose to fight. When you're in that fight response, you go into do mode, right? Okay, what am I going to do? We'll take surgery for me again. I find out I have surgery coming up in a week and what do I need to do? Okay, I need to have meals prepared for my family and rides prepared for my kids and people set up to take care of me so that all of the things are put together in a way that when this takes place, it's actually not going to upend everything because I've got it all under control, right? We want control. And I would suggest that when we're in relationship with God, who lives outside of time and actually has already orchestrated things that have happened in the future, that I can actually sit back, and I'm talking myself through this even as we're talking together, and say, oh, okay, this isn't a shock to God. His provision is perfect and unique to each day. So actually, where I want to scramble at control and putting all the pieces together right now in this instant so that everything fits my timeline and my order and my routine and the goodness of my plan, I can actually trust God. I can take courage recognize that God is with me right here, right now, and not be afraid. P.S. Being afraid doesn't always look like cowering in a corner or having a panic attack or, or freaking out about something scary. I would suggest that sometimes fear comes in and fear is the voice that says, you need to figure this out. This is on you. Everything's going to go down bad if you don't get this handled. Where love, where trust says, I got this. Lindsay, you don't have to have this because I have this. There's this other notion that's been rolling around in my mind that I feel is uh, very complimentary to everything that I've been talking about in this story about Jesus walking on the water. By the way, fun note, this is taken from the book that I'm writing. And one of my friends who has been helping to edit and listening to me over the last year process this, uh, she actually was the one that plugged in the piece of saying this next portion is complimentary to the take courage, recognize me, don't be afraid steps. Thanks, Debbie. So yes, there is a book coming, but I digress. We're back. (laughs) Take courage. 
recognize me. Don't be afraid. Do you know what the greatest truth in don't be afraid is? That I don't need to be braced for circumstances because I am embraced by Jesus. I don't need to be braced against what's going to happen because I am embraced by Jesus. I'm going to say it a third time. You don't have to be braced for anything that could possibly happen to you because the impact of anything at any time is not to be absorbed by you. It is absorbed by the loving arms of your father that says he is your fortress, he is your resting place, and you are hidden in his wings. So often, I hear other believers talk about spiritual warfare, and they they go to Ephesians 6.12, I believe, the full armor of God. And once we put on this proverbial full armor of God, what does God say? He says, now, once you've done everything to stand, you keep standing. So, you know, up until like last week, I've always pictured myself standing in this like awesome golden armor. And Bill Johnson said this really profound thing a few years ago that stuck with me that someone said, Bill, when do you put your armor on? And he says, I never take it off. So I'm like, I'm like Bill. I never take my armor off. I sleep in it. I'm like an Avenger. And anytime the enemy comes after me, man, I am braced to stand because my feet are founded in the scripture and in who Jesus is. And I got totally wrecked by God when I had this entire perspective switch that when you read through each portion of this armor that we are embodied in, by salvation, by the scripture and the promises of God written on our heart, by the readiness of the gospel on our feet, I started to realize that this armor and the armor metaphor would have made sense to the people that this was being spoken to back in the day that it was spoken. But this armor, I started realizing, isn't this heavy, golden, weird, awkward armor, but it is actually the infusing of me into Jesus being embraced and armed by who he is and that standing and continuing to stand would have little to nothing to do with me and everything to do with whom I am standing in, who I am embraced by. It's amazing We're not to be braced for anything. We're not not to be anchored in something in order to, to somehow become these giant force fields that just grab all the impact from all the circumstances and and save the world from all the crap that's going on. 
No, Jesus said we're more than conquerors, but we're more than conquerors because of his victory, what we're hidden in, in him. That mystery is such good news because it's not on me. Isaiah 49, 25 says, he contends with those that contend with me. And we're reminded that anything that comes against us is not flesh and blood, but it is the powers that we, the powers, thrones, all the things that we don't see, the supernatural part of the second heaven, which I know I'm throwing so many things out at you right now, but some people are going to get what I'm putting out. And the point is you don't have to be the savior of your own situation either. We talked in the episode earlier that we don't need to be anybody else's savior because there's only one savior. So I don't need to change or save anybody in the world. I just need to be me and be me in relationship with Jesus. And then God actually reveals himself in that natural process of relationship in my life. And it probably tends to show a light to people around me in my world that says something's different about her. And then God takes that and runs. Same with my individual life. When circumstances pop up and listen to me, I'm not even saying bad circumstances. I'm saying God gives you a massive opportunity. You're stepping into destiny. He's asked you to move states, move countries. Any type of circumstances that require any amount of faith because you can't control what's going to happen the next day or three months from now, those circumstances, I'm telling you, you don't need to be the savior of that situation. You don't need to figure out all the connections, all the dots, all the provision. It's not on you. It's not on me. Because I'm embraced. Not braced for, embraced in. I'm able to take courage and recognize Jesus and not be afraid because it's not on me. It's the fact that he has me, that he has you. Is this a great place to inset again? This is why I choose Jesus. I choose, I choose Jesus because first of all, He's real and he never fails me. He never fails to show up. It's not some fun like thought or philosophy that I need to convince myself into. It's this person that when I hit these points of intersection that I have no control and I would want to brace myself for, I lean back into the embrace of a loving person who reminds me, I've got this. I've got this. God has you. God has your future. God has your kids. God has your spouse. God, God has everything being orchestrated in ways that would blow our mind if we could see how he's weaving everything together. Is it mysterious? And is it really hard to understand? Yes, that's why I would suggest don't try to. Why don't you put all of your time and effort in getting to know him instead of trying to understand what's going on? It's worked for me so far. And guess what? The more I get to know him, the more I start to like actually see um, what he's doing and why he's doing it. There is so much going on in anybody's life at any given time. And for any of us to sit and start measuring where you're at in the in the life spectrum of hardness. And my lord, if you are of any type of social media participant, 
at some point you've sat and said either my life's not as hard as theirs or my life is better than theirs. Your comparison game will sink you faster than anything because God's only interested in where you're at with him. He doesn't care where he's at with anybody else. He's got that handled. So maybe the hardest thing that is going on in your life right now is that you've got some Monica crap room that you need to clean up. And that is giving you crazy anxiety because the amount of work and organization and time that it's going to take to organize this is actually crippling you. But then you get online and you don't clean up said crap room because you see your friend that's struggling with a death in their family. And then you see the other person that their house was on fire. And all of a sudden you're completely incapacitated, not just because you need to clean up this horrid mess in your house, but because now you've decided that your horrid mess makes you a horrid person because it's not nearly as bad as what's going on in the rest of the world. (laughs) It's funny, but that's, you guys, that's how the enemy works. And you can choose to look at all the swirling and all the storm. You can choose to not take courage and believe that God has provision for you that has been perfectly orchestrated for this day. You can choose fear. That's all offensive too, I know sometimes, because as you're learning this pattern of behavior, as your mind is being renewed, sometimes you're not actually warring against the renewed mind. You're warring against past patterns of behavior. And those roads in our mind, from a scientific standpoint, become extremely strong when we've been traveling that highway for years. What I'm suggesting to you today is that a part of the first step of getting to choose to be a victor and not not a victim of your circumstances is to recognize it's not on you to be fully prepared, embraced for everything that's going to happen when you wake up. You are embraced in Jesus, fully provided for, fully loved, that everything is being orchestrated for good, even when you can't see it. And that there is courage available, whether you understand or not, and your logic is not your security. Your logic isn't your security. God is always there. He said he would never leave or forsake you. He is always there. And knowing that we can choose love, Because there is no fear in love, 1 John 4.18. Fear has to do with punishment. God doesn't punish. So, a little bit longer of a message today. But I'm really excited to be able to encourage you wherever you're at. It's not on you. That whatever is going on in your life right now, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. God's mercy has been crafted for you in this day, in the next day, in the next day, in the next day. That whatever intersection that you come up against that is foreign or overwhelming or shocking or hard or painful, he's got you. And when Jesus says to stand and keep standing, 
He's the one supporting you. He's the one holding you up. And he's the one that is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can possibly ask for or imagine. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I hope you have found places in your thinking or belief systems that have been encouraged, challenged, or my hope, quite frankly, introduced to completely new concepts. You want to stay connected? Visit me at my website at known to be known. That's the number two and a little b. You can go there to be a part of the blog or to submit to be a member so that when new podcasts and new blogs are released, you're the first to know about it. Can't wait to see you next time.